Hello, everyone. Welcome to the On The Record Podcast. I'm your host, Devin Watley. What's it like to cover one of the biggest sporting events in the world? And how do you approach it as a journalist early on in your career? In this episode, I catch up with KYMA sports and weather anchor Luis Lopez as we talk about his experience covering the Super Bowl for the second year in a row, this time in Las Vegas, Nevada. Here's our conversation, and I hope you all enjoy it. Luis, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a great time being on here. I think we've done this. This is like the third time now, I think, right? I've been on here. Yeah, I know. You've been on here uh, three times. I think you're actually one of the rare, like, few guests who have been on here several times. I mean, like, I'd probably say you, maybe Amber Salas, Kyle Betts, uh, all of us little Daily Aztec crew have been on here three times, uh, multiple times. Um, So you obviously just had uh, a whole big situation go down you were reporting at the super bowl in las vegas super bowl 58 i mean what a game first off right kansas city chiefs 49ers arguably i think people can say the two best teams in the nfl right now right that ultimately made it um take me through what your whole experience was like just simply being there like when did you know that you were going to be covering the super bowl to begin with yeah. So thankfully about like a couple months ago now, my sports director had pulled me in to the, one of our conference rooms at the station. He had pulled me and our other sports anchor Chaz Messman in and he had kind of done the same thing that he did when he told us we were covering it last year. He was like, Hey, so just wanted to let you guys know we did apply for Super Bowl credentials and we got them. So yeah, we're going to be going to the game. Um, from right then we just kind of started creating like a game plan in terms of how we wanted to do it because last year even though it was here in arizona we were kind of just going back and forth the week and doing like a couple days here and there but we didn't stay the entire week through this time because vegas is a little bit further out it's a little harder to do those back and forth trips so we were like all right if we're going to do it this year then let's let's go the whole week let's do the full shebang and cover absolutely everything we can so we started getting that game plan together and yeah sure enough there we were we ended up staying the full week and just tons of different stories and yeah just a crazy week for sure super hectic but yeah just the experience of a lifetime take me through the logistics of the coverage because i can imagine when you're doing a big event like that for a small station, even a big station too, like a bigger market, there's a lot of different sort of angles or storylines that you can kind of explore with that. How did you kind of connect those big national storylines to a place like Yuma? Like what what was sort of the things that were going through your head in in terms of the logistics of coming up with different ideas for stories and, and content? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the first things that we tried to look into was, you know, what are people going to be interested in? Obviously here for our like local viewers, just maybe like non-game standpoint. So we got to do a cool story where we like previewed the food that they were going to be selling inside like the club sections for Allegiant Stadium. We talked to some fans about get it, just getting to go to the game. We covered the NFL fan experience, which is, which is this big convention that they do every year in the cities that they host the Super Bowl in. So we kind of showcased that a little bit, but then in terms of on the field stuff too, we tried to make as many connections as we could. We had talked to players who had that Arizona connection here. So we talked to guys like Brandon Ayuk. He's an Arizona state product. We talked to Brock Purdy as well. He's a Arizona native and he obviously came through the Arizona high school football system. So he knows a thing or two about this area. And we ended up just getting to do a full package on those two and just kind of talking about that connection. And we even had, um, 
uh, one player from the Niners, Randy Gregory, who actually went to the JUCO here for a little bit in Yuma, which is Arizona Western College. So there was another connection that we were able to put out there. And yeah, finding stuff like that was definitely like really big in terms of, you know, trying to make our audience specifically care because obviously there's a million different places they can go to for Super Bowl coverage. So trying to find those little angles was a little bit challenging, but we were able to find a few and probably the biggest one that we ended up finding, there's actually a Niners practice squad player, Alex Barrett, who was actually born here in Yuma. Uh, unfortunately, didn't grow up here. He grew up in the Phoenix area, but still he was born here and he knew the area pretty well, just being able to go back and forth from here. And his mom grew up in Yuma County. So being able to talk to him, he ended up being a super nice guy. That was a really fun interview, probably the most fun I had in an interview during the week. He was also a San Diego State guy. So I talked to him about that. I'm going to have to share that soundbite soon because I asked him about what his Trujillo's order was. And he, of course, said the Sigma Chi Crunchwrap. So that was one of the most fun probably moments I had during the week, but yeah, different connections like that. And just trying to find those again, more local connections, because obviously there's like a million different places you can go to for Super Bowl coverage. It's funny you say that because I just recently went to Trujillo's after uh, one of the basketball games. Um, and it was my first time going there in, I think since I graduated. So it was like kind of a oh, time warp you can imagine. Cause it's like you go in there and you see all the signs, the Sigma Chi crunch up. And then the first bite I took, I was like, Oh my gosh, this reminded me of like the late nights we would go out to Trujillo's, you know, during college and stuff like that. So it's crazy to just kind of, uh, ask people who have already, you know, have these professional lives and, and, and things like that about the past and college like that for someone like him. Um, how big was it for him to kind of, you know, be from you, my right. And you have that connection, you being working there. Um, did he kind of go into the significance of like him being from Yuma and, and playing in a big event like the Super Bowl like this? Like, what did it mean to him? Yeah. I mean, even though he was just on the practice squad, he was talking about, you know, just, his journey of being able to, you know, make it to even be a part of a team that got to do that. And he actually got elevated to the active roster the day before the game. So technically he was a part of that team. Unfortunately he was inactive for the game, but still, I mean, he was a member of that roster and he can say, yeah, it was on a super bowl or at the very least NFC championship winning roster. Obviously things didn't go the way for the Niners. They would have wanted to, but yeah, he was mainly just talking about that journey and, you know, making his way over to San Diego state and then just kind of grinding to stay in the league. He's obviously like most practice squad guys, he's bounced around quite a bit during his time in the league. So to be able to find a place on the Niners and, you know, again, be a solid piece of that roster, even on the practice squad is a big deal for him. And we even talked to a Niners beat writer uh, from the Sacramento area, and they were kind of breaking down to us how important he is, even though, again, he's on the practice squad, just in terms of how vital he is for teaching other guys, the schematics of the defense and, you know, trying to learn Steve Wilkes system a little bit. So he's been vital, even in that sense, even though he's not actually seeing the field on game day, he's still a big piece of the team. What was it like for you as a journalist to kind of go through that, the rush of the Super Bowl? Because I can imagine, right, you're being there for the whole week that, you know, goes by quick and you have so many different things to do. Um, for you, I mean, obviously that was your second Super Bowl because you did it in Arizona. Did this did this one feel different than the past? Because obviously I can understand like there's, you know, I, I mean, you've been through two of these now. Did it feel different in a sense? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. This one was a thousand percent different. You know, I kind of went into it thinking like, all right, you know, we got to do it last year. We kind of know the flow of how things are going to go. We kind of know a little bit more on where to be, but then you get there and it is just an absolute madhouse. And I think part of that too, is because of the city that it was in this year. I mean, no disrespect to Phoenix or Arizona or anything like that, but Vegas is just a whole different beast. I mean, there was way more fans in Vegas this year that were there just for the vibes and not actually going to the game than there were of that type last year. If that makes sense, more people were coming just to get that Vegas experience and say they were there for the big game. So that made things a little bit more overwhelming. And they had the main, like that fan convention that I was telling you about the NFL experience that was in the Mandalay Bay convention center and where we were set up for most of the week was the media center that was also at Mandalay Bay. So anytime we had to do live shots or interviews or anything like that throughout most of the week, we were having to get funneled in with the fans and kind of work our way through them to get back to the media center or go out and get whatever our other shots were. So super overwhelming in that sense. And then just the city in general, I mean, just driving around to different areas. I mean, the Super Bowl was plastered absolutely everywhere you look. And then, of course, because it's Vegas, they have like a million different things going on at the same time. Vegas is already going to have a ton of stuff going on. But of course, because the big games in town, they're going to have probably double, triple the events that they would normally. So, yeah, the amount of fans there was overwhelming for sure. That was a big difference from last year coming into this one. And also just being here the whole week, too, was also a big change because, like I said, last year we were just kind of going back back and forth a couple days. I think we were only in Phoenix probably three days before the game itself. And then obviously for game day on Sunday, but this week we were there from Sunday to the next Monday after the game day. So a lot more stories to cover, a lot more content to find, but you know, we made it work and I think we did a pretty good job. I can imagine, um, with it being the Super Bowl, you have media there from all across the world. I mean, right, this is one of the biggest events in, in sports. And does it almost get a little intimidating? Because I can imagine covering a huge event like that and you being, you know, you've in the game for as long as you've been. Does it, Do you get like intimidated by that atmosphere a little bit or, or like what, take me through what goes through your head when you're kind of trying to get these interviews and talk to these players in these giant um, press conferences and these scrums and things like that? Like what goes through your head in that moment as a journalist? I wouldn't say it's intimidating, I think, because, you know, once you're there, you kind of realize like, all right, even these like big networks that are here, they have the exact same press credential I do. So we have access to the exact same things. We have the exact same abilities to do stuff and ask questions. Uh, it's more so just the difficulty of it though. I would say that was big for me because I went to Brock Purdy's little booth at the opening night media session that was inside Allegiant stadium. And I was right there at the front trying to get a question in. And there is like just people from all over shouting Brock, 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 like, and obviously they each have their own questions to get to. And it's just so hard to get a guy like that's attention when he's one of the most popular players there. And, you know, like I said earlier, we were trying to get a soundbite of him just talking about like Arizona high school football and him being from here, but everyone else has their own agendas and things that they're trying to get to. So trying to overcome that difficulty of, you know, just trying to work your way through everybody. Cause I don't deal with anything like that here in Yuma. I mean, obviously we're just covering mostly high school stuff and, we're the only station out here. We have the only other media outlet that's going to be covering this stuff here is maybe the newspaper. So 
we rarely have to fight for an interview. So it was good to get that experience and try and learn how to be a little bit more assertive in those scrums and, you know, trying to make sure that players looking at you or doing whatever you need to, to get their attention. So that was definitely a really good experience and hopefully something that will prepare me for future Super Bowls if I'm fortunate enough for that to be the case. Yeah, for sure. And take me through, right. The game starts. Um, I'm sure all the media are in different places, right? They have the media box and then there's people on the field. Where are you in this situation? So this year, just like last year, we got a non-stadium credential, which is basically it gets us into the game day area and it gets us into a media tent that's set up right outside the stadium. A little inconvenient, though, because this thing was like right. Basically, the media tent was where they typically keep their grass field at Allegiant Stadium. Obviously, they wheeled it inside for the game. So they set up a big media tent there and it was set up exactly like it was last year. There's just TVs and projectors all over the place showcasing the game and most media are in there. There's only a select few that actually get to be inside the press box. And I'm sure they're saving that for like the big dogs, like yeah, again, ESPN, NFL network, Fox sports, obviously CBS sports, cause they were broadcasting the game. So they're the ones that get that privilege to actually go inside and have a seat to view the actual game. But thankfully we were still able to make our way inside and we caught some of the game actually with my own eyes, which was crazy. That was something I got to do last year, fortunately as well. So me and my coworker, Chaz, we were able to go in there and thankfully we caught the, we basically caught everything from the first chiefs fumble all the way up until the uh, trick play touchdown with Jawan Jennings passing it to McCaffrey to get that touchdown for the Niners in the second quarter. So we got a pretty good chunk of it, at least. I'm grateful that we at least got to see that. But yeah, most of the media was set up outside in that 10. I was a little surprised. I mean, I'm seeing even some like bigger name guys and I was even kind of looking around and seeing different Bay Area news stations set up like right behind me was the ABC7 crew. And you would think that maybe they would be a little bit more set up inside the stadium, but most people were inside that media tent. So it was a cool setup, good opportunity to network too. And even though obviously you're not in there the entire game, it's still just a really cool experience to just be around it and be around all those other media members. I can imagine like you probably get chills watching a Super Bowl with your own eyes. Right. Cause I mean, it's obviously the second time you've done it, but I can just imagine like, you know, you being where you're from and things like that, like to watch a super bowl with the gravity of an event like that with your own eyes. Like what was that experience? Like, it's so cool, man. I mean, I literally felt the exact same way I did last year when I was looking at it with my own eyes. Like I just took to mo- took a moment to really think like, man, there are people who are paying like thousands of dollars to come watch this for themselves. And here I am getting paid to do it. So that was, yeah, a surreal experience. Again, just like last year, last year, I was able to catch a little bit more of the game in the halftime show, but even just getting the the chunk that I got, I was super grateful for. Yeah. And now that media tent, right? You mentioned there's all of these people in there. What are you sort of doing at that media tent? coverage wise are you watching the game trying to plan out different ideas for post-game coverage and things like that like what do you what's sort of going through your head as a journalist in that situation in that gigantic media tent yeah so thankfully we kind of went in with our game plan of what we wanted to do for the day what i knew i needed to do for the day so the way our station is set up, obviously we have all the networks under one roof. So we have NBC, Fox, all that. And then since our game was on, well, everybody's game was on CBS. And then my station is CBS. That's where I do my weather and sports stuff. They wanted me to kind of be the face of like some of our 
teases and cut-ins and all that. So I went in and usually they'll have whoever the anchor is for that day, shoot those news teases and say like, Oh yeah, coming up tonight at 10. But instead they had me do that. And it was just a bunch of shots of me saying, Hey, Luis Lopez here at Allegiant stadium, blah, blah, blah. Here's going to be our coverage for tonight. We'll, you know, stay tuned after the game for a post game recap. So I shot those. We also had some cut-ins that were playing between about like eight 30 up until when our newscast was, our newscast was delayed that night, obviously because of the game and then whatever post game shows that CBS had. So our show didn't air to like 11, which usually it's like a 10 o'clock show. So I had some cut-ins that played before that as well. And then in terms of what our actual coverage was for the show, I already knew we were going in. It was going to be a live shot in the a block. So kind of paying attention to the game still. So that way, obviously, you know exactly what you're talking about and kind of the best way to recap the game. And then we actually voiced some highlights as well from the media tent. So we were able to kind of go a quick cap, quick recap of the game from there. And also as soon as the game was done and as soon as the whole celebration was over with the chiefs, they went in, thankfully right next to the media tent was where they did the press conferences. So as soon as the game was over, we immediately got our tripod set up right where the media conferences was going to be. We got to talk to Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes right after the game, as soon as, again, they were done with the whole like trophy presentation and all that. So we were there right next to everyone else getting their sound and stuff. So, yeah, just like the rest of the week, definitely hectic, overwhelming, but we ended up getting everything we needed to in. And in those moments when you're doing those live hits, how important is it for that uh, idea of collaboration and communication. How important are those two things in moments like that? Because, you know, and I want to tell this to journalists too, like things can easily go south quickly if you don't do things like that. How important is, are those two things to making sure that your live hits and all your coverage for Super Bowl goes really well? Oh yeah. It's super vital. Obviously this is one of our like highest rated days of the year. I mean, the super bowl is obviously going to get the ratings that it's going to get, but then everything else gets those kinds of ratings too. I mean, this newscast, I believe my news director was telling me it usually ends up being one of the highest rated shows of the year. So if there's any day to really try and make sure that things go right, then that is definitely the day. So yeah, we were in constant communication the entire day, pretty much with everybody from our technical directors and our anchor, which shout out to fellow SDSU Aztec, she's the weekend anchor for us here. So I was talking to her all day, trying to keep up and make sure that we were getting everything in and letting her know what exactly we were going to have. And again, thankfully we went in with that game plan and we already knew what we were going to do. So thankfully, yeah, we were able to execute it. And you mentioned how things can go South quick we had that for a moment, our production system inception went down at one point during the day, at least it did for us. So we had to kind of adapt and we were just sending all our scripts and things to uh, Karina again, as she was having to put those in from here in Yuma at the station to kind of help us out. But that was one of our definitely going South moments that we had to adapt to But thankfully we overcame it. And like I said, everything got in. Okay. And when you have those moments where things are going south, what's going through your head in that moment? Like, are you just kind of like, okay, we got to move on to the next thing or, you know, obviously, because it's important to not dwell on those types of things, right? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely not. And I mean, believe me, I'm no stranger to things going down here. I mean, we've had whether it's equipment or software or whatever it is. I mean, we always know what a workaround can be. So as soon as we noticed that Inception wasn't working, immediately our thought was, all right, cool. Let's just send these scripts to Karina and she can put them in a little tedious. You know, hopefully there's no like communication issues, but 
I immediately let her know like, Hey, inception's down over here. We don't have any access to it. So you're going to have to put these scripts in for us. And thankfully she did a great job of getting all that stuff in and helping us out. So again, everything I ended up working out just the way it needed to. And our coverage ended up looking pretty good on air. Yeah. And I saw on Instagram, you posted a picture of, uh, I believe it was Patrick Mahomes at the press conference you know, he's like right in front of you. And I'm like, and, and in my head, I'm going through like, man, this guy, I just cut, you know, I used to work with him in college. We were out here talking to athletes at the soccer field at, at um, you know, sports deck and all that stuff in Viejas. And now it's like, you're out here at the Super Bowl. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, one of the best quarterbacks in NFL, like is literally mere feet away from you. Like, um, you know, when you're talking to these guys, right. These, you know, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, these stars, um, what kind of goes through your head in that moment? Like, are you just, are, do you just treat it like it's any normal interview or is it like, um, do you go about it a different way? Honestly, I've really learned that you just got to treat those guys. I look at them and I try and treat them honestly, the exact same way I was treating players at the sports deck when we were covering those soccer games, because there's no sense in, you know, feeling starstruck or doing anything like that. Cause they're just doing their job. And at the end of the day, you're just doing yours. So I've learned that kind of the best way to handle it is just going up to them and treating them the same way I would treat anyone else. Honestly, I, one of the places I was able to really kind of do that was when we were going to the last media sessions of the week, which was all the way out in Lake Las Vegas. I was like 45 minutes off the strip. They didn't want the players anywhere near any of that action. So they just played it safe and kept them all the way out there. But we made our way up there on Thursday, the few days before the game for the chiefs media session, which was in the morning and the Niners media session as well. And I had the chance to talk to a few different players. I talked to Trey Jones, one of the offensive linemen about the injuries they were dealing with. Obviously Joe Tooney wasn't able to suit up for that game for Kansas city. So I just kind of talked to him and was like, Hey man, you know, how are you guys going to overcome this? What's your preparation going to be like? And just the same way. And then I talked to Isaiah Pacheco as well. And same deal. Like, you know, how do you get past this like very tough Niners defense when your guys offensive line is banged up just asking them some of those questions and the entire time just trying to stay centered and be like all right yeah obviously these guys are you know big name nfl stars but it's important to just treat them the same way you would any other athlete i was still thanking them after all my questions and i think some of them appreciated that yeah for sure and and you know, you're, when you when you mentioned Lake Las Vegas, obviously 45 minutes away, I can imagine just like the logistical challenges of trying to drive from, you know, Paradise, Nevada, downtown Las Vegas, all the way up there. I mean, um, did you encounter a lot of those different logistical challenges like that throughout the week? Like, did you have to adjust to those sorts of things before and after the Super Bowl? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially, I mean, opening night was probably one of the toughest days because we... So we get into Vegas on Sunday, stay the night there. We wake up and then we go to Allegiant Stadium. I believe we were there by like noon, 1230. And that was the day they had the um, food preview for the media. So we got all our shots and interviews for that. And then as soon as that was done and we got everything we needed, it was right up to the little media workroom that they had set up for us, which was on like the 300 level of the stadium. And as soon as we parked some of our stuff there, then they were already getting set up for opening night. So we were like, we got to get down there and get some tripods set up. We got one of our tripods set up near Mahomes booth. And then we also got one set up near uh, Andy Reid's booth and Travis Kelsey's booth. So we were trying to 
you know, I beat the game, get ahead of it. But even though we did some of those, um, did some of that precautionary work, we still ended up having a hard time, you know, trying to work our way back inside once that scrum was kind of formed and trying to get all that settled. So yeah, definitely a challenge there. And then just being inside the stadium, there's some security regulations that we might not have to deal with usually. So we're trying to, you know, get through these areas, get through these lines. And then once opening night was done, believe it wrapped up, I want to say around like eight 30. And one of the other challenges for us specifically was there's a time difference because Vegas is on Pacific time. So same time as like California, Yuma is on mountain time. So they're actually an hour ahead. So that gives us in Vegas an hour less to work with. So media night wraps up. And as soon as we get our last stop, because we worked it right up until the last second, we were there at Iuk's booth. And I think I got a question in with like literally a minute left. And as soon as that timer's up, the players are gone. They are out of there. Their assistants or whatever are immediately working to get them off the field and back to where they need to go. So as soon as I get that question in again, this thing wraps up around like 8:30, I want to say, and we're down on the field. So now me and my coworker, we have to work our way back up because we have to get set up for our live shots. And we also had some look lives that we had to pre-record as well, just because of some of the logistics of, again, being all under the same roof. One of us had to have a pre-recorded look live for a block. The other one was going to go live in the sports block. So we had to get our pre-recorded look live in and obviously the closed captioning CGs for that as well. And then uploading our thoughts. And we had just a very limited amount of time to do that. So it made things a little hectic, but again, just like every night we were able to, you know, get everything submitted and it ended up airing fine. And, you know, I watched some of your videos from Super Bowl Sunday and I can like, just tell you look so comfortable out there when you're talking in front of the camera. Um, how can journalists who are just starting to get into it really learn to get comfortable, whether that's recording look lives or being live on camera, how, what's your biggest piece of advice for them? I think the biggest thing is just, just do it. I mean, treat it, give it the Nike treatment. You just got to do it. I mean, every single look live that I done, every single stand up and live shot and all that, I've just gotten a little bit better each and every time. And I've kind of taken something away from each time I've done it. It's funny. You know, I look at shots like the Super Bowl one and the fact that I'm able to just like set up my live view and without a photog, just, you know, yeah, like, all right, we're here talking about the game and kind of get through it. No problem. And then I think back on times like, when I was with the daily Aztec and we were doing standups post game at the sports deck. And it would take me like, I don't even know how many tries to get that stand up right. That we were just posting on Twitter. It wasn't even for a newscast or anything. It was just something we were putting on social media. There was one of those standups. I remember I was with Christian, the Viper Alvarez and Daniel Guerrero, good friends of ours. They were there trying to help me with the standup and it took me so long to do it that they ended up shutting the lights off at the sports deck. So we had to go off to the side and we found like a street light or something to give me slightly better lighting. And finally, after, I don't even know how long, it was like 30, 45 minutes, I was able to get it in and upload it. So I went from that, my first year at SDSU all the way to now, thankfully, you know, being comfortable with those live shots and being able to knock them out, no problem. That's something that I was only able to do because I've just been doing it so much and doing so many of those standups. And obviously, you know, coming to Yuma, there's been a ton of live shots. And, you know, even back in my news days, just covering breaking news and the different live interviews I've had here, just doing it, putting it to practice and just kind of just throwing yourself in the deep end and seeing what happens. And eventually over time, you the more you get those reps in, the better you're going to get. So I'd say that's the best thing you can do is just just doing it. 
do you feel like is there any other like sort of I guess knowledge that you took away from when you first started in news and at the DA that you feel like really helped you in terms of your Super Bowl coverage and and just to get to the place that you're at right now? Honestly, I think I, I think it's just staying patient, kind of understanding that, you know, whatever you're doing, whatever spot you're in, you know, if you're kind of struggling with it, then just understanding like, hey, you know, I'm here for a reason. I'm learning what I need to learn. And then eventually I'm going to be able to put this towards something bigger because there was obviously late nights of the Daily Aztec, other big projects that we did over there. And, you know, was, as a student, maybe it can get a little frustrating, you know, like, all right, what am I really doing here? Like, is this really going to help me? And eventually, yeah, that stuff does pay off and you get to places like your starter market and eventually hopefully a market after that. So just kind of staying patient with everything, I would say, is the big thing and not getting too frustrated with yourself and always just taking those opportunities to learn. Like I said, with those standups and live shots, I mean, I just learned a little bit every single time I did it. And now I'm like super comfortable with those. I can knock those out. No problem. So just always, again, staying patient, just learning every time you're doing something is the most important thing. Trying to take away from whatever mistakes you make and being okay with those mistakes is a big thing too. try not to beat up on yourself too much and just taking away what you've learned and applying it again towards those future things. Yeah, for sure. And I can just say like from a producer perspective, the same way goes too, because you're going to have shows that you make that are not necessarily great, or there may be stories that you have in the show that don't transition as smoothly or things like that, or, or, you know, a show that may go wrong because all your live shots die out, whatever, like, you know, you'll have, um, a lot of people's careers in journalism were never a, a, you know, straight, you know, bottom up type of path, right? You have your peaks, valleys, your highs and lows. And I always would say like, um, you know, I, I agree with you in that same point. Like it's important to kind of just be patient and be persistent because, you know, you ultimately reap the rewards that you put in if you keep putting in the hard work, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's the best, it's the best way to go about it. I mean, I wouldn't change my journey at all. I think I, I love the way that I've been able to get to this point. And it's like I said, help me become so much better. And again, yeah, the best way to get better is just by doing it, putting your lessons to practice. And yeah, I mean, that's really all it comes down to is just learning from your mistakes and trying to get better every time you go out and do something. For sure. And in, Obviously, you know, with the Super Bowl being in Las Vegas, um, you know, obviously we've seen the numbers come out. It's been one of the highest watched telecasts since the moon landing, which is just crazy to me because <laughs> it's just so surreal seeing something like that. Um, for you to kind of see a big event like this in Las Vegas, because, you know, we, we've been to Vegas before, right? You know, we've been to the Mountain Western. We've been to all these other events in Vegas. You know, for you to be in a place like that where NFL is holding such a high caliber event, one of the biggest sporting events in the world. And it's in a place like this where it's, you know, full of glitz, glamour party. How was it different this year in Vegas from a um, outsider non-game perspective compared to it being in Phoenix? And I know you kind of touched upon that with the fans, but was, was there any other uh, aspects of it that you kind of noticed when you were out there? I mean, it just, it just feels bigger. It just feels like Vegas is really built to host this game because like I said, I mean, there was stuff going on absolutely everywhere and for everyone too. I mean, there was tons of different shows and stuff. Obviously, anytime you're in Vegas, you know that there's going to be different like artists performing or just a ton of things going on. But I felt like this time it was like double or triple. There was always something for people to do. And even outside of just the show stuff, I mean, there was a ton of like, opportunities for football meet and greets. I mean, I walked past 
one bar in the Mandalay Bay called the flanker. And every single day they were either hosting a live podcast or they were doing different meet and greets. I know they were obviously taking advantage of, you know, being in Vegas, there was a lot of Raider meet and greets. So just the sheer amount of things to do in Vegas is why there's really no place like it that can host the big game. I mean, next year it's going to be in new Orleans. I'm sure new Orleans is going to be great. I know bourbon Street's going to be popping, but they still won't have nearly the amount of things that Vegas had this past week. It's just absolutely insane. And I know for a fact, it's not going to be the last time that Vegas is hosting the big game. They're going to be back there numerous times. So it is definitely built to host a game like that. What was your reaction to that final drive, uh, seeing Mahomes throw that touchdown to McCole Hardman? And I can imagine it must have been sweet for you as a Raiders fan to not see the 49ers uh, win the Super Bowl in the Raiders stadium, right? I mean, but what was your reaction to uh, the whole thing? (laughs) I mean, is it that much better seeing the Chiefs win it in that stadium? (laughs) I think it was going to be a lose-lose situation for Raiders fans either way. So I was just going in like, all right, you know what? Whatever happens, happens. Let's just get a great game. And we ended up getting a great game. That was absolutely unreal. And it was, you know, it was funny going into overtime. As soon as the Chiefs, even that last drive of the fourth quarter, when they ended up going and tying it with the field goal, you just knew deep down, like the Chiefs are going to win this thing. I knew, I knew for a fact, I was like, there's no way that you can tell me Mahomes isn't going to rise up to the standard that he needs to get to. And that Andy Reid isn't going to rise up to the standard that they need to end up winning this thing. And sure enough, that's exactly what they did. Niners couldn't get it done. Chiefs do and ends up with their third title in the past four seasons. So deep down, you just knew that they were going to get it done. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. I think I thought it was crazy that um, the same play that they used to win the Super Bowl last year, right? That corn dog play with that receiver off. Um, on a route, they use that same play to win the Super Bowl this year, which I thought was pretty unique that they would use the same play call to win both to win both of those games. I thought it was super uh, crazy. But yeah, like I said, I got the same sort of energy, too, because it's like, you know, you just know Patrick Mahomes like in that whole storyline with Kelsey and Taylor Swift. And you just you knew it. <laughs> um was coming i don't i don't know if you had that same sort of boat but like you know what was that sort of ticking moment that you kind of knew like the chiefs were, were going to have this in the bag i think as soon as that punt went off that niners player's foot and ray ray mcleod couldn't recover i think at that point i knew like all the chiefs needed was just like a small window to get back into it and they immediately took advantage they obviously end up scoring a touchdown like one or two plays right after that And from there on out, it was just all chiefs and they were going to end up doing what they needed to do to win. Like I said, I mean, after that, it was like, Oh, that's it. That's all they need. Cause that's how it always works with the chiefs. So as soon as they got that little window of opportunity, I was like, they're going to smash right through this window and take what they need to. Because again, I mean, I went into the game just feeling like there's no way the chiefs don't win this just because they're the chiefs. You don't even need to look at it. Like analysis wise, they just have that feeling around them right now. in the exact same way that we looked at Tom Brady and the Patriots a few years ago, when they're playing in a super bowl, you assume they're going to win. It didn't even matter that they were the betting underdog. They were a two and a half point underdog in this game, which is crazy to me. I understand it. I get that they had the regular season that they had and they didn't have home field advantage throughout the playoffs, but the chiefs are the chiefs, man, no matter what, they are just always going to be the favorite in my eyes, regardless of what the sports books say. So again, yeah. I mean that moment when that punt went 
so bad for the Niners is when I knew it was like, yeah, the Chiefs are going to find a way to win this thing. Yeah, I think for me, the moment that really struck out to me was when I think Brock Purdy had a third down in overtime and then he overthrew that receiver. Um, I think I don't know if it was Ayuk or somebody else, but he overthrew somebody on the third down um, and then they kicked the field goal after that. And then the Chiefs got the ball back. And I was like, as soon as the Chiefs got the ball back, I was like, I knew this thing was over. I mean, um, oh, it's yeah. just crazy. Absolutely. Crazy to see that. Um you know, for you and just all in all, like, how would you rate your Super Bowl experience covering something like this in Vegas? Was it was it like one of the biggest events you covered most fun? What would you say about it? Oh, yeah, by far one of the coolest things. I mean, the Super Bowl is a Super Bowl. I mean, that's the thing that obviously everybody is looking forward to even non-sports fans. You know, you're going to be making your way over to Super Bowl party. So to actually be there for it. And again, just see all the hype that was going on around Vegas at the time and just all the different stuff that there was for people to do and just being in that environment. It was awesome, dude. So, yeah, it definitely ranks as probably the best thing I've gotten to cover in my career so far. And I've gotten to cover some pretty cool stuff. I mean, like I said, the Super Bowl last year, the I got the World Baseball Classic last year, which is a really big deal personally to me because Mexico is playing in it. That definitely ranks up there. But the Super Bowl is a Super Bowl, man. You just can't top that. Yeah, for sure, dude. What a special moment, special thing. Obviously, we mentioned earlier that you do weather for KY or KYMA and CBS too. So, um, you know, and which is funny because, you know, in college, they, you don't really do things like that, uh, meteorology and things like that. Um, what's it like doing weather for a smaller station? And uh, how did you kind of really get comfortable um, at getting used to it? Like, was there like a, you know, did you have to go through an adjustment period in a sense or, or how did it go? You know, thankfully I had a, I had a little bit of experience with weather before I got the, the full-time gig with it because I would fill in for anchoring on the weekends when I was a weekend reporter slash weekend sports anchor, and we don't have a weather person on the weekends, So you have to do weather yourself. So thankfully I'd already had some experience with it. Granted, that's like a more toned down version. You're just kind of reading whatever the current temperatures are, what the forecast is going to be and, you know, getting in and out. Obviously, when you have the weather title on you, they expect you to go at least a little bit more in depth. So I think just kind of learning some of those different like terminologies and things and just trying to get more comfortable with a full weather cast, because typically when I was doing those weekend ones, that's like maybe a one thirty two minute hit again, nothing too crazy. Nowadays I may have to go as long as three 30, maybe even four minutes. If a newscast depends on it. And especially if there's like some active weather going on, which doesn't happen a ton in Yuma, but it does happen. We get some rain every now and then, or just strong winds, whatever it may be. So kind of learning what, you know, again, the different terminology, knowing what like an advisory versus a warning is, or just kind of knowing how to properly explain things to people. I think that's one of the things I always just try to do, just try and make it super simple. I mean, I'm not a meteorologist at the end of the day, so I just try to give people the best summary of it that I possibly can. And that includes what the forecast will be. So I'll just kind of quickly say like, yeah, well, you know, it's been obviously a little bit of a warmer day so far. We haven't gotten as many of those this week or just talking about the forecast, like, yeah, warm for the weekend, but we could be looking a little bit of rain next weekend. So maybe get ready for that. So yeah, I mean, just trying to, trying to keep it simple, honestly, is probably the best thing that I've been able to do while I've been doing weather. And that's probably the biggest adjustment I've had to make is just trying to learn like, all right, how can I keep this simple and, you know, explain it properly to people who are watching. How important is versatility to being a really good journalist, right? You, we mentioned all the different things that you've done from weather casting 
to uh, reporting on news, to covering Super Bowl, weekend sports, local sports in Yuma. How important is having that versatility to being a really good overall well-rounded journalist? I think it's super important. I mean, like I said, I try to learn a little bit from everything that I do. And my first year here, when I was doing news MMJ, and there was a ton of stuff that I still apply to all my sports stuff, just in terms of time management, things that I apply to my packages, writing, interviewing, doing all that on a daily basis. When I was again, doing it my first year here has been super vital in terms of helping me. And then even like the weather stuff has helped me with everything else because with weather, I mean, I'm obviously going live. Like I said, that could be three minutes, three minutes, 30, four minutes a day. And that's not scripted stuff. That's just me ad-libbing the entire time, you know, talking about whatever's on the weather slides and just, you know, talking to the viewers again, like I said, trying to keep it simple and weather is something that's helped me big with all my live shots, because again, that's just me talking to the viewers. And I think I've tried to, you know, learn how to be a little bit more casual, a little bit more comfortable, make it seem a little less robotic when I'm talking on air with the weather segment. So doing that with every single one of my shifts, I think has definitely helped me with the other live shots because now I know how to keep a little bit more casual in an interview or keep a little bit more casual for just a naked live. So that's one thing that I've taken away from weather that I've applied to everything else. But like you said, just being versatile in general is super important because you don't want to be the guy at your next station or girl at your next station. That's, you know, getting there. And then they ask you to do a certain thing and you're like, Oh, I didn't really do that at my last station. You know, I don't really know how to deal with that. They didn't really have me do that. Oh, this person did it for me. You don't want to be that guy. So you just want to go in and have as much knowledge as you can. And it's really going to help you going forward. Like you said, I mean, it's super vital to just, know absolutely everything because you want to be the person that can do everything. You don't want to, again, be the person with just tons of excuses as to why you can't do a particular thing. So I'm hoping that, you know, whenever I go into my next market, I can be the super reliable Mr. Dependable and have, you know, superiors worrying about like, well, yeah, I don't know if he can handle this particular aspect of it because I've done so much here. Again, we know what MMJ and is like, you have a ton of different responsibilities on a daily basis, but yeah, absolutely. Everything has helped me. Yeah. And I can just attest to that from a producer perspective too, because when you're doing news and you're doing sports, it's like you get exposed to learning how to do shows for different types of audiences, because I mean, each show, you know, sports rap audiences are not the same people that are watching the news at 11 or the news at 430 or the news at five, you know, so you kind of get uh, adjusted to that in a different perspective. So I can totally attest to that. Um, you know, for you, you've been in Yuma for multiple years now. Um, what's it been like to live and just work in a small market in general? And do you feel like you've really gotten comfortable with it compared to like your past places you've been at? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yuma was a jarring experience. I think when I first moved here, cause being from the Bay area and then going to school in San Diego was obviously something that made me very used to like big city life and always having that like hustle and bustle around you. So coming to Yuma, definitely a different vibe here for sure. You got that small town, everybody kind of knows each other, maybe not a ton of stuff to do, but you know, you make it work and I've really learned to like this place. I mean, it, it definitely has its charms for sure. I mean, the people here are very nice, you know, there's tons of other things you can, you know, find to do. And then obviously my coworkers are great. So, you know, spending time with them is always a good time. And yeah, so, you know, the, the Yuma life is definitely different. Like I said, from what I grew up with and what I went to school around, but you know, you, you learn to love it. For sure, man, you're out there killing it. You're out here dominating. It's crazy to see all the DA people out here, um, 
doing their thing you know you and amber and kb and everybody man it's just it's great to see um luis thanks for coming on the show uh listeners you can follow him on instagram at luis lopez cvs 13 luis you got any final things that you want to say to the listeners any sort of piece of advice that you want to share to young journalists out there and how they can be better at the game I think the best thing is just keep it simple, learn from your mistakes and just put your lessons to practice. Like I said, I mean, every live shot I've done, all those standups, you know, you get a little bit better every time you do each one. And same goes for like packages as well. When I was a news MMJ, I was turning a package every single day, finding story ideas every single day, trying to find different ways to, you know, make things a little bit more fun, a little bit more interesting. So just kind of going in and just doing it, you know, not just like practicing certain things. I know one thing a lot of people say is like, Oh yeah, like practice your standups in the mirror or, you know, do this and that. But like, I honestly think the best way is just go out and just do it. That's the really the best thing you can do for yourself. That's the only thing that's going to help you in your career is you just take the jump and just do it. That's the best way. Put your lessons to practice, get that experience. That experience is really going to just be super vital going forward. Yeah. And I would just, I would just say, treat every opportunity like a blessing, not a burden. Right. Because it's like, you know, everything that you get in front of you, I mean, you never know where it's going to take you. So treat it like an opportunity, treat it like a blessing, not a burden. That's what I would say for that. Listeners, you can follow Luis on Twitter at Luis Lopez Media, also on Instagram at Luis Lopez CBS 13. Luis, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it, Devin. Thank you. Thanks for listening to my conversation with KYMA sports and weather anchor Luis Lopez. Don't forget to follow him on Twitter at Luis Lopez Media. Plus, don't forget to follow the podcast on Instagram at On The Record Pod for the latest episodes, news and updates. More episodes are coming very soon. But for now, stay safe, love one another and have a great day.